0: Just go to
1: Cars.com. It's magical.
0: Hey, everyone. This is Lass Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and we have a special Stan Van Gundy's Been Fired edition of the podcast for you today. Uh, Ben Gulker, Shamik Mohile, and I talk about the good and the bad of Stan Van Gundy's tenure with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, We also discuss suitable replacements in both the front office and on the bench as head coach uh, for the Pistons. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm your host Lazarus Jackson. I'm joined uh, today by my usual co-host Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing?
1: Hot takes, hot takes. I think this is the hottest take we've ever had on the podcast in the sense that the news is still literally breaking. So yeah, let's do this. I'm shocked but let's do this.
0: Yeah, we're also joined by again, once again by by Sham uh, Shamik Mohile. Sham, how are you doing?
1: Good, good.
2: Uh, you know, Long time no talk. Uh, has there been any big changes since
0: we last spoke? I mean, Stan Van Gundy got fired. That's kind of what we're here. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. All right. So the official language uh, from the press release sent out by Tom Gores, uh, Detroit Pistons announced uh, Stan Van Gundy will not return as the team's president of basketball basketball operations and head coach. Search process for a new basketball leadership will begin immediately. We've decided that this change is necessary to take our basketball organization to the next level. Is that a firing? That sounds like a firing. Ben, do you think that's a firing? I don't know how else to read it.
1: I mean, it sounds like there was some sort of negotiation horse trading about what a role for Stan Van Gundy could look like in the context of like overhauling the front office and leadership and uh stan wasn't on board with that to whatever degree we d- we don't yet know but yeah it sounds like a firing to me
0: hmm all right so this leaves us in a really uh, interesting position uh with how to move forward but first i kind of want to look at the past and and talk a little bit about what stan van gundy did uh for the detroit pistons in his four years so uh he only made the playoffs once in four years, but if you look at the construction, construction and talent on the roster, uh, there's definitely a more uh, there's definitely more like NBA quality talent on the Detroit Pistons than there was in uh, in 2012 when he was hired. 20 no 2014. Wow 2014. Where does the time go? My gosh. Um, he made some really good trades. The Marcus Morris and Reggie Bullock trade, the Tobias Harris trade. Um, turning Tobias Harris into Blake Griffin, which your mileage may vary on, uh, turning KCP into Avery Bradley to avoid paying KCP max money, uh, the Reggie Jackson trade. Um, But he also made like a lot of bad decisions in free agency, uh, overpaying John Lure and uh, Boban Marjanovic very quietly as to not offend Ben. (laughs) Jody Meeks also was, like, one of those guys who was slightly overpaid and never really worked out. Uh, Langston Galloway looks to be on that track. Um, he invested heavily on the pro scouting side. I think uh, former beat reporter David Mayo, like, tweeted that he, that Stan Van Gundy, like, took the front office, like, out of the 1990s. And I think that's, like, a very funny way to think about that because that immediately just made me think of the picture of Joe Dumars with two phones. <laughs> the
1: infamous photo, like the mob boss phones.
0: <laughs> the like old flip phones that like the screen would crack, but it still worked. Uh <laughs> the phones with the cords still attached to them. Oh yeah. <laughs> Those are the days. Oh man. Uh what else? Oh he drafted the draft is a crapshoot. Like I accepted the draft is a crapshoot, but like Stan Van Gundy lost all his money at the craps table drafting. Um so I guess Sham, like on the whole, like do you think the Stan van Gundy era? Like was a net uh, positive or like a net negative for the Detroit Pistons?
2: Oh, I mean, it was clearly a net positive. If you look at the roster that he inherited and where the team was at at the time, uh, playoffs were a distant. You know, like we were at this at the cellar of the Eastern Conference. Uh, playoffs were out of the question back then. And when he took over, he he turned things around pretty quickly. And whether they were too fast uh, or. You know, we're just in time. That's a different argument. But, yeah, I mean, he was definitely a, a net positive. Um, but I, th- I think the question is, how how high is this team's ceiling? And I think that's where a lot of fans get upset because they see the process. And, yeah, they were bad for a long time. But now their ceiling looks like it could win a championship. And I don't know if this Pistons team can really do that. So, yes, they're better. But I don't know how much better they
0: really really are compared to the rest of the east you mean the the capital t capital p process in philadelphia yes. Just yes, to be clear, yes, yes. right yeah okay so i guess ben uh same question is this a are the pistons in a better place now with with stan van gundy or post stan van gundy
1: oh yeah absolutely i mean there's absolutely no question objectively the franchise is in a better position than you know the, the josh smith greg mineral andre drummond experiment right like I could seriously nitpick Stan Van Gundy's career for hours and I, I won't do that tonight. Um, but yeah, there's no question they're better off than they were. Um, you know, where are they going to be two or three years from now? Ugh, we talked about that less than 24 hours ago, so we don't need to rehash it, but yeah, I agree with sham. They're, they're definitely in a
0: better place. All right. So actually I do kind of want to go into like what this team is going to look like in the future um, and who's going to lead it. So, we need a new president of basketball operations. We need a new general manager and we need a new head coach. Um, Woj reported uh, not in a tweet but in a story that he published later that uh, Jeff Bauer and like the rest of the front office staff will stay on kind of as a skeleton crew, uh, up until a new uh, front office can be established and, and uh, implemented. They're going to do the draft prep. Um, I assume that like, they won't do that much free agent prep because that'll be far enough away that the new guys will be able to to take care of that. Um, so I guess the first candidate that I really want to talk about is, uh, David Griffin. David Griffin is of course the, the former Cavaliers GM, um, won a championship with them. Uh, Ben, how do you feel about David Griffin, uh, taking the reins in Detroit?
1: So, people whose opinion I really respect seem to be really high on David Griffin. Um so I I kind of feel like I need to defer judgment to those people who are really smart about this. I don't have super strong feelings about him. Um So, I, I mean, I think certainly what what they did in Cleveland warrants respect. Um but it's always hard, like the Pistons don't have the same kind of tools that the Cavs had winning the championship. So there's a little bit of an apples and oranges comparison going on between the, you know, the two rosters. And I, I don't think there's any chance that the Pistons are able to, to pull off something like a championship in the next two to three years without something incredibly extraordinary happening. But yeah, I I mean, good track record, definitely qualified. And that seems like something that's important to, um, to Gore as the ownership, having a a history of being an executive who's successful, so yeah, I mean, I think I could definitely per- be persuaded that he's
0: the right guy. So, Sham, what do you think of David Griffin as like a as an executive? Like, do you have a strong feelings about him one way or, not- or another? I'm kind
2: of mixed on this. Uh, you know, as soon as LeBron James came to Cleveland, David Griffin was thrown out some pretty expensive contracts and contracts that now looking back they probably regret. Like Tristan Thompson got paid a buttload of money. J.R. Smith got paid a lot of money. At the time, Schumpert was a pretty expensive deal. So if, if people are upset about SVG slash Bowers spending, uh, I don't think David Griffin is that much better. Um, and also, David Griffin, so our fans are very sensitive to the whole Luke Kennard, Stanley Johnson versus uh, Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker uh, conversation. And David Griffin arguably made the worst first pick uh, in the past 10 years in Anthony Bennett. So, and, and that was kind of a pick out of the blue. Nobody really had, had really mocked Anthony Bennett at number one. It was kind of random and it didn't work out. So, I don't know. I just, I think he's a good GM. I think he could do well somewhere else. I don't know if he could really pull us out of this cap and roster situation we have right now i don't think he's that talented
0: that's fair
1: i think sham you just changed my mind i think that i <laughs> <laughs> i'm really Anthony pacific. Bennett
0: was like a anthony bennett was like a really bad pick
1: like worse than darko bad i mean maybe i like it historically, i said bad. in the past
2: 10 years i think darko was a pretty bad pick but in the past 10 years i think
1: But at least Darko, like, there was some external evaluation that he could be productive, right? Like, the Anthony Bennett pick was just so out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, it was. And I think you also got to, like, look at, like, the Deion Waiters draft selection, right? Like, I think – I'm pretty sure that was Griffin. And, like, Deion Waiters at four is, like, not exactly another, like, sign of a a great uh, draft mind. I think that's something to definitely be concerned about. I wonder – when it comes to, like to the contracts that he gave out to Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith, I wonder how much of that is uh, external pressure from LeBron. Um, Tristan, of course, is a clutch client, and uh, I think J.R. is as well. I'm not 100 percent sure on J.R. Oh, no, J.R. Yeah. C.A. But if that's right? the like,
2: case, yeah. But if that's the case, and he's able, if he's if he's bending to the will of the star player, no matter how no matter how great LeBron James is, I. I think you still have to be a little bit frugal when it comes to your cap spending.
0: All right, and knowing that's definitely going to be necessary for the Pistons in the not too distant future, so that's definitely something that's important. Right. All right. Uh, So we've got a couple other guys. Uh, Mike Zarin, the Boston Celtics assistant GM. I was actually uh, texting with uh, a Celtics analyst, and he was telling me that like Zarin would be like a really, really good pick as as GM. Ben, do you think like, do you think that my main question with with Zarin is, um, would he leave Boston? Would he leave like a, a golden scenario like this to come be the head guy in Detroit? Uh, do you think he'd do something like that?
1: Okay, so I'm not super familiar with him as a person, right? Like no, his okay, decision making yeah, as right, that's fair. Is, is that, right? Like so that's hard to predict. So like, but, do you do you I mean, the, Wouldn't you want? Do you think to?
0: the like situation in Detroit is appealing enough to like being in charge in Detroit is appealing enough to leave? Boston, for just like a regular NBA mind, we'll go with that.
1: I mean, he's the thing is, like, he's not gonna climb the ladder in Boston, right? Like, Danny Ainge is not going anywhere, so you gotta think if you're in sort of like some assistant role somewhere, y- your goal is to take over the reins somewhere else eventually. If, if you can't climb the ladder internally, um, what Boston's done is rather remarkable, in my opinion. I mean patient almost to a fault. And then just when you thought they were patient to a fault, they were able to like cash in almost all of their chips and, and put together a pretty extraordinary roster. So, you know, to the extent that Zaren was involved in that, I, I think that would speak highly to his ability t- to manage the cap, to understand the value of draft picks, both in terms of trade and building your roster. And I think um, player evaluation, right? Like, I mean, that's just so important and Boston has done a remarkable job of, of putting together a roster that's cohesive and, and that doesn't have any net negative players. And, and also guys who are certainly on value contracts, which is what the Pistons are going to need. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could certainly be persuaded that a guy from that sort of pedigree would make sense for
0: the Pistons. Sham, uh, do you have anything on, on uh, Mike Aaron?
2: Yeah. I mean, like Ben said, like, I don't really have much of a personal knowledge of Mike Zarin but I know that it's I think it's it's in the Pistons um advantage to kind of take advantage of a a, like an assistant GM or a a protege of a good GM uh uh who is currently in place. so uh this like Mike Zarin situation reminds me a lot of the whole Sean Mark situation where he was a uh, was an assistant GM under the Spurs um and he he jumped ship and took on a pretty bad situation, I would say, at the time with the Brooklyn Nets. So, I, I mean, there's only 30 GM jobs in the NBA. So, I feel like if you're an assistant GM, and especially with Danny Ainge kind of blocking you to that final step in your career,
0: why not? Pistons should definitely be all over that, too. Yeah. So, we've got some other guys that kind of fit that bill. Uh, Troy we- Troy Weaver, who is the assistant GM in uh, OKC. Brian Wright, who's the assistant GM in San Antonio. And uh, Gerson Rosas, who I think actually interviewed for the Charlotte opening, Um, he's the uh, executive uh, vice president of basketball operations in Houston. Um, I think that like that guy's like a dark, a dark, uh, dark horse, wild horse, horse, dark horse, one of those dark horse, yeah, Uh, wild card or dark horse. There we go. Could be a dark card, yeah. And so, like those are some other guys I think kind of fit a similar bill, but. We did get a couple. We've got some names reported for front office positions in the past, uh, and we got a new name today that was linked to the front office in uh, in Detroit, and that was Brent Barry, the TNT uh, analyst and former player. Uh, Sham, it, you like when you? I know Barry has like no previous front office experience, but like when you, I guess when you listen to a broadcast with him on it do you like get a sense that like he's like a solid basketball mind? And do you think like he could like grow into the job maybe like a Steve Kerrish type thing? He seems like a solid basketball mind, but
2: I just don't know. I don't know. Like he's, he has no experience. So you don't really have anything to base it off of. The Pistons would more or less be taking a chance on it. And I don't know if they're kind of in a position to take a chance on a GM like that. Uh, I do. I do think they, they could bring him on in some other capacity. Um, as an assistant GM or something in the front office. Just, uh, I don't know what positions they have available, but just, he's a he's a good basketball mind. And uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Golden State was interested in him uh, a few years back, but there was something to do with his TV contracts that would conflict, so
0: I think he's an interesting yeah, man. Yeah, that was, I think, part of the Zach Lowe report uh, maybe like six months or so yeah. back uh ben when do you uh what do you think of brent barry's basketball mind when you when you listen to him talk
1: i enjoy listening to him talk more than i enjoy listening to chris weber talk (laughs) if that counts for anything like as far as tnt analysts go and look i'm U of M fan and a huge chris weber fan but uh that would be a very puzzling hire for me um we obviously don't know how the front office is going to be structured right so like I, I could see the appeal of adding, you know, a couple guys with NBA experience to, to manage relationships, to recruit players, et cetera. But personally, I wouldn't go all in on a guy like Brent Barry. who look, I mean, he was a productive role player in the NBA. There's no question about it, but he's not in and of himself going to be attracting superstar players to Detroit. Right. Like so him as the GM would be a huge head scratcher for me.
0: So, if we're talking about uh, big names in Detroit, there is one big name we haven't mentioned yet, and that's Chauncey Billups. Uh, Sham Ben and I like did like half of a podcast about this, so the people kind of already know like what our thoughts are on Chauncey Billups as a as a front office manager. Uh, what do you think? Like, do you think Chauncey could, I guess, grow into the role of, of general manager in Detroit?
2: Oh, I think he can. I think he's a really smart basketball guy. I mean, even when he was playing, he was probably the he was the floor general. Um he he was a, you know, made a lot of good reads, you know, good Xs and Os and whatnot. not I'm just kind of hesitant with this opportunity because I know especially with a new regime in place and given the cap cap numbers, I know that there's going to be a lot of pressure to win now and I don't want the 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 Pistons' success or lack thereof, if it comes to that, to be tied to Chauncey Billups. I think he'd be better off in a different situation and then maybe coming to the Pistons later on.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, ben, do you want to rehash your, your Chauncey screed?
1: Yeah, I mean, so put simply, like, Chauncey is, like, top three or four Pistons for me all time. So just purely as a fan... I don't think my heart could handle him failing as a GM and then leaving the franchise the way Joe Dumars did. Like that would be super, super hard for me. So yeah, I echo what Sham is saying. I think his first gig needs to be somewhere else and five years from now, 10 years from now, if there's a way to bring him into the organization in sort of a long-term capacity that isn't threatened by the ups and downs of a one or two year stretch than I'd be for it. But, uh, Man, I love Chauncey so much as a player, as a person. I would hate to see him be, you know, less than successful and have that be his lasting legacy in Detroit.
2: I just don't want another Isaiah Thomas situation, where if Isaiah yeah. Thomas did the job he did in Detroit, we would not think of him as the 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 great point guard that he that he was. I think people when they think Joe Dumars, they don't think necessarily of his playing career in Detroit. They think of his GM time. So. I don't want to soil. Yeah, they dollars. think of yeah. Josh Smith. Yeah. It's just it's,
0: well, it's it's weird, right? Like some people think of the six straight Eastern Conference Finals, and like some people think of like Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva, right? Like it's 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 different things to different people, and like I totally respect and uh, sympathize and uh, kind of uh, feel the same way myself. Ben's position of like uh, if Chauncey Billups like did a Charlie Villanueva like free agent mm-hmm. signing. Like I would, I would feel like terrible about having to uh, divorce myself from him. From like that would that would just really be awful. And so I think, I think Chauncey is like a good name for like fan excitement. Um, I don't know if the situation is right, and I don't know if the timing is right. Um, and yeah, that's that's Chauncey Billups, Pistons GM candidate. People get people get really sad on Twitter when you are like Chauncey Billups. Like, I don't want Chauncey Billups as GM for this team. But, like, it's, it's really just not a very good idea. And, like, I hate to tell you that to you guys, but it's, it's just kind of not. Um, who else we got? Oh, we got uh, one more guy that I think um, is, like, kind of on the bottom tier of guys I would think about would be Rich, Rich Cho, the uh, newly deposed general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, prior to that, though, he was the general manager in Portland, or he was part of the front office team in Portland. And uh, was was kind of uh, was very much admired there for um, assembling a team I think that is in a very similar situation to Detroit. Like not a huge market, but a very like passionate and rabid uh, fan base who demanded um, I think outsize, out, outsize expectations. Um, and they delivered that you know for a time with Lamarcus and uh, Brandon Roy and the likes of those guys so um ben what do you do you you have any feelings toward rich cho or is that just like another kind of like rumor that you kind of just don't care about
1: no i so this is a guy who i actually do like and charlotte's a team to me that i've said this before on the podcast like when you look at them on paper i really feel like they should be better than they are uh and so i can't help but wondering if there's some sort of disconnect between the players and coach or locker or whatever um but at the same time, they, they haven't won. And that's kind of the same thing as Stan Van Gundy is facing right now. Like, yeah, you can explain a number of scenarios in which the Pistons are better than they were. You can explain a number of scenarios in which the Hornets are better than they were. So I'm not sure my, how much traction he gets, but I think the the Portland run probably looks a little better than the, the Charlotte run if wins and losses are what you're concerned with. Sham, how do you feel about Rich Jones? No,
2: thanks. I wouldn't touch him at all.
1: He okay, first of all, when he was in portland he
2: wasn't it's not like he he was there to, there long enough to make a substantial difference. He was there for I believe less than a year um and then after that, he was fired, and then Charlotte picked him up right away so I feel like Portland didn't necessarily want to keep him around, so I'm just hesitant as to why and then, after seeing the job he did in Charlotte. With throwing out massive amounts of money to Nicholas Batum, who if if you hated the fact that SVG brought Jameer Nelson back, uh, Rich Cho kind of did the same thing by bringing Nicholas Batum back and then throwing him a bunch of money, um,
0: and then the Dwight Howard giving him twenty five or twenty three million. Well, that was a trade, right? Like Atlanta gave him that money and then promptly but, traded him the year after. But
2: just making the deal for that and having that amount of money on the books and expecting to be competitive, but really not, I. I don't have any faith in 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 him um when it comes to bringing us out of this cap hell that we are or making the best out of what we have. I don't think that he's done a good job in a very similar situation. So I no thanks. All right, that's fair. Uh you okay Sean? Everything good? Yeah, yeah, some uh there's some uh
0: some ambulance going by. All right. So, I want to move out of the front office and onto the court with uh a couple of coaching candidates. Um the, the the big name i think actually Vince actually said that um the first names that to come out of the kind of what they were expecting or looking for in coaches was uh, was Jerry Stackhouse and uh Mike Budenholzer as those are two very different like candidates right Jerry Stackhouse obviously has never um had a, had an nba head coaching job um only been um i think, a g league coach for maybe uh 4 or 5 years not like a long time but not like a super long time mike budenholzer on the other hand has been like a spurs assistant for 10 plus years and has coached the hawks for like the last four years uh, before getting fired um this past season um so they could start their rebuild with a coach who was more kind of uh in tune with that um sham what do you uh, what do you think of either of those names like you can go in either direction like which which one of those guys appeals more to your sense of like what the Pistons need in the coach oh Budenholzer Budenholzer is my number one pick if I
2: had to choose I think I think this roster and the personalities in this team need somebody who's kind of proven himself more or less or has kind of an experience um, dealing with NBA rosters and drawing up NBA plays and whatnot I think Stackhouse will be a good coach at some point but I just like the like the same feelings I had towards Chauncey and that hometown kind of don't want to ruin that that uh that positive view of him. The same thing I can apply to Jerry Stackhouse. So I think he'll be fine. And if the Pistons hired him, I really wouldn't be that upset. But I Budenholzer is definitely my number one pick.
0: So, what makes him your number one pick? Is it just like the success in Atlanta? Is it the Spurs background? Is it like something he does specifically like schematically like what is it it's it's a combination of all three i
2: think I think one coming from the Spurs tree i'm I think that there's something special about being a Spurs protege and then in Atlanta, his first couple of years, he was pretty good and then now the team decided to go a different direction started a tank and then he was kind of too good for the organization in a way so I think that's why the mutually parted ways, you know, happen. But yeah, I like him on all accounts. He's a very good tactician known. He's highly regarded as one of the best tacticians in the NBA actually. But yeah, I like him a lot. He's not my number one pick.
0: Okay. No, that's fair. Uh, ben, like which, which one of those guys kind going of to speak uh, Stackhouse or Budenholzer speaks to you more? Oh, uh, I
1: 100% percent co signed with what Sham just said. Um, I, Stackhouse to me, I I don't see how you go from G League coach to head coach in the NBA without being an assistant somewhere. That just seems like an odd scenario to actually have happened. But yeah, I mean, 100% with Bullenholzer, the the San Antonio pedigree, they are the model for how to do it, in my opinion. They are 25 years of just incredible success. Um, I agree also – He's a tactician offensively in particular. If I were making the hire for head coach, I would be looking at offense before I would be looking at defense. And I think when you look at Atlanta's best season, what they did offensively was absolutely remarkable. Um, And the the Pistons, I I think if they're going to be successful with this roster are going to have to squeeze out every last advantage out of the, the big three that they have currently, Reggie, Andre, and Blake Griffin. Um, so I 100 percent want them to bring in an offensive tactician, and I think Budenholzer is the guy on the market who who gives you the best chance of, of being that successful in that. I'm edge.
0: gonna I'm gonna defend Jerry Stackhouse a little bit. Um, I don't. That's not to say I, I don't like Mike Budenholzer. I would be extremely happy if Mike Budenholzer was the coach. But uh, but to me, like being the the head coach of a championship winning G league team, which is like, I, I know like, Ooh, a championship team in the G league, like who cares? But uh, to me, like that's like a really good indication of like what you can do, like as a head coach, right? Um, the talent level in the G league is like, obviously not what it is uh, in the NBA. The, the scheduling is, is very, very different. Like you're taking buses instead of like private planes. Um, the, your personnel is in flux, because like if the Raptors need a guy, if the Raptors need Bruno Caboclo, like they're gonna take him, and like then you don't have Bruno Caboclo, and like you have to like make it work. Um, when you when people like envision when they say like uh, when like Ben when you said that you like to see Stackhouse get like some assistant coaching uh, time in the actual NBA, like I think of a G League, I think of an extended G League head coaching position as kind of. Um, a an extended like assistant coaching gig i think of those things that like roughly the the same level and stack has been really successful uh, in in his time in toronto and so like while i do agree that budenholzer would be a really good hire like i also think stackhouse would be a really good hire um as far as the like nostalgia factor goes like yeah i mean stackhouse was a piston and like he is remembered fondly but like his era is not exactly like the going to work Pistons are the bad boys, right? Like he's, he's the, he's Teal Pistons. Yeah. There's, not, there's like that. some good Stackhouse <laughs> memories, but like, it's not like, oh man, Jerry Stackhouse is like a vital part of my childhood. Right. Like, so if he, if he messes up, like it, it sucks, but um, I would be more confident that he was hired because uh, he was like Jerry Stackhouse, like good coach and it failed versus like, uh, Jerry's tech house, like notable X piston and he failed, right? Like, I think there's a very big difference between those two things. And so, uh, man, yeah, I'd be fine with Jerry's Tech house. I think, uh, I think that would be a nice, um, I think there'd be some interesting foresight for, uh, an ownership that has occasionally shown glimmers of that, but more often than not, um, not, uh, been as intelligent, I think as we would like them to be. Uh, I got a couple more assistant coaches for you guys. Uh, the two Blazers assistants, uh, Nate Tibbets and David Vanterpool. Um, those guys are both, they're always kind of like tied together um, under, they've been under Terry Stotts for, I think like three years apiece. Um, ben, do you have any opinions on either of those guys or, uh, or Terry Stotts like as a coach and his, his coaching tree? No, I
1: don't have super strong opinions, but I know you watch Portland. They're sort of your like adopted Western conference team. So I would love to hear what you have to say about them, but I don't, I don't really have much to say about
0: those guys. Uh, Portland kind of reinvented themselves as like a defensive team this year, very surprisingly for uh, the first half of the year. And I think a lot of that was due to Vanterpool and um, not necessarily schematically, but like player development wise, he really helped out the likes of like Yusuf Nurkic and uh, Alfred Camino like with their uh with their team defense and communication and rebounding. Um but I'm not I, I like both of those guys, but I think they need like just a little more like seasoning to be like really good head coaching candidates, if that makes sense. Sham, is like is that the feeling that you're getting as well?
2: Yeah, I'd 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 agree with you. Um if we're gonna go the assistance route, there are a couple of other assistants that I would definitely prefer. Like who? Um, I like Messina from the Spurs, and then Nurse for the Raptors as well.
0: So Nick Nurse is really interesting, right? Because um, like that's the Toronto assistant coach. He was credited uh, very highly with like helping their uh, motion offense turn around this year. And like the Pistons, obviously, like been talked about like need an offensive infusion. But at the same time, like there are. Currently reports floating out there that like Dwayne Casey could get fired after this season, despite being a coach of the year candidate. That would be awful. And being the being the number one seed in the East. So for me, like Nurse is a guy who makes a lot of sense to step in if Casey gets fired. And so I'm I'm a little uh less inclined to to look in that direction. But I do agree that like that's a good candidate. But like, man, that sucks for Dwayne Casey. Actually, if Casey got fired, would he be a good head coaching candidate for the Pistons? I was about
1: to say that the timeline may actually work out. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you would lose it out on Fizdale, but you you, you hit on Dwayne Casey. <laughs> <laughs> um, Atori Messina, the Spurs assistant that Ben brought up, I don't I don't really know a lot about him, and um, I am. I am curious to – or I try to remain, like, curious about Spurs people. I, I try to remain wary of taking Spurs people just because they're Spurs people. I remember when the Orlando Magic, like, hired Jacques Vaughn because he was a Spurs guy. And, like, that didn't work out miserably. And then he immediately, like, went back to the Spurs and continues to, like, be an assistant coach there. It's like who knows, like, if he's still a good coach or not. But um, I don't know. I just, I try to mean to be wary of, of those guys.
1: Um, You don't like winning? No, no.
0: I just, I wonder how much of it is due to (laughs) like Popovich, right? Like it's, it's similar to like the Belichick coordinator thing, right? Like uh, you could hire like the Belichick, the Belichick coordinator, but you're not going to get like Belichick results because there's only one Belichick. That's the effect I'm like trying to avoid with that. Yeah. I hear that. No, uh, no Eric Mangini's for for me um so there are a couple more former head coaches that uh come up occasionally um mark jackson nope question mark nope can we just pass pass on mark jackson because (laughs)
2: uh
0: in in a similar vein uh jason kidd question mark no thanks ben yeah i'm good (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, and, uh, in a sort of similar vein, but kind of not Mike Brown, uh, Mike Brown's the former Cleveland head coach and like current assistant in, um, in golden state. Uh, he was the head coach for a time when Steve Kerr, uh, was out with his, uh, back injury. I believe, uh, sham did, did Mike do anything in, in that time to make you think that he could, uh, return to a head coaching. position? No, not for the Pistons.
2: Maybe eventually, if he continues to perform well under the the Warriors, but no thanks. (laughs) There are better options.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Warriors, like, Alvin Gentry and Luke Walton are, like, out of that tree. And, like, those guys have had relative success. Like, Luke Walton has been a much better coach than I I anticipated. Um, I thought that was just, like, straight nepotism. But, like, no, he's actually, like, good at this thing. So. That dude has some serious pedigree, though, like
1: playing for Phil Jackson, yeah, the greatest mind of his generation. And then, I mean, dude is a lot smarter basketball, like a lot smarter basketball mind than he was a productive player. Yeah. That
0: I, I had, had no idea of his basketball mind, though, because I, I if, if you just looked at his on-court performance, well, if you looked at his on-court performance, he was always like a really high basketball IQ guy. But uh, I didn't know how that would translate, especially in like a, a head coaching position when he's so young. But like that's worked out really well for the Lakers. And like I, I the league is more interesting when the Lakers and the Knicks are good. So like I hope I hope those those things continue to happen. But like I would not try to break my neck trying to find the next Luke Walton, you know, if that makes any sense. And it's not like he's a young like, you know, uh
2: going back to Mike Brown, it's not like he's a young coach. He's kind of been around the league for a while. So I I don't necessarily want to attribute all of the Golden State success to him you know, I I still think his his Cleveland performance is more reflective of his coaching than the Golden State performance.
0: That's fair. That's fair. So
1: Yeah, and if you think like Stan Van Gundy plays slow, like <laughs> Mike Brown yeah. plays
0: slow. Yeah. That's not gonna fix what ails the Pistons, you're right. Um and so now this is kinda like the open session for Ben. Ben, you're much more in tune with uh, the college coaches than, than I am. Are there any college coaches that kind of stand out to you as, as potential uh, Pistons hires? Did you mean Sham? Uh, what did I say? You said I'm ben. sorry, I meant Sham. Hey, Sham, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Same question. You know, I'm,
2: honestly, there's only one co- college coach that I think is worth considering, and that's Jay Wright. I think he, he runs a modern NBA style offense and he has he he's been successful in the NCAA and I I think he may be willing to make a jump for the right team. But at the same time, like, you know, we're asking if the Pistons if, if, if Jay Wright is a good fit for the Pistons. I don't know if the Pistons are a good fit for Jay Wright. So like I said, there's like those those assistants and Mike Budenholzer are definitely my preferred options, but I guess it wouldn't hurt having a Jay Wright interview.
0: All right, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'd, he's that's Villanova, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not leave that situation uh, anytime soon. I wouldn't either. Not for the Pistons. No, no yeah, Not way. for not for like any NBA job. That's not. It's not like Butler, right? Like that's a pretty high profile job, and he's been really successful in it. Like that's the kind of thing where – And
1: it's just so uncommon for a guy to transition from high-profile NCAA to successful NBA
0: coach. It just doesn't happen that often. True. And like I was – and if you're Jay Wright, right, like if you're successful for another couple of years, like you can leverage that into a Shashevsky type situation where like you're the coach at a place for 20-plus years. Like you – and then you like you are the college like that's a level I think of uh, a power and prestige that you just like won't get in the NBA, and so uh, I I would be loath to give give that up personally. And I don't know a lot about Jay Wright, but I don't I don't know how willing he would be to to part with that for for this specific opportunity. Yeah, that's we'll
2: true. Last I have a name for you that I that I actually saw on Twitter today. Yo, hit me, Tom Izzo. Oh God, uh- <laughs> you knew it was coming.
1: Hold on, I just <laughs> threw my computer out the window. I got to go get do it. Do you want to
2: hear my response to it before you, you chat in? Sure. I said he was too, too Thibsian for me. Very similar to Tom Thibodeau. So I said, no thanks.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I do wonder how much Izzo's style of... Uh, well, Izzo has started to transition into a more modern style of play. But uh, at his core, what he really like wants to do is like pound you into submission on the glass and uh, defend for 40 minutes. And I don't, like. I think this Pistons roster might be suited to that style of play. That's a similar style of play than Stan Van Genie, but like, I don't think that would work. Also, that would mean that Izzo would no longer be coaching at MSU. And I'd be sad about that. Despite, you know, everything that's happened in the last six months.
1: There isn't just no way that his style of coaching like, and I mean this in two ways. One, He, he yells at his players as much as any head coach I have ever seen. There's no way Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are going to stand for that. Sorry. Like the egos at the NBA level are just different with 18 and 19 and 20 year old kids. But then like his style of basketball is just so perfect for college and it just isn't going to translate to the, to the way the NBA, the whole culture of the NBA is different, but even the rules, I mean, the rules of the NBA just are not conducive to uh, grind it out on defense and, and shatter the glass because you're rebounding so hard so I mean Tom Izzo is a great college basketball coach there's no question about it but I just
0: don't see how that works if I had to watch Izzo like not put Blake Griffin in the middle of a zone for 36 minutes (laughs) I think I would like stab myself so like yeah let's 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 not do that uh thanks for giving me like a little mini heart attack sham I appreciate that (laughs) All right, guys. I think we've uh, I think we've exhausted most of the potential uh, front office and coach candidates. Unless uh, Ben, do you want to give me a mini heart attack with any names real quick, or are you good?
1: Yeah. How about John Beeline? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sure. Actually, now that I think about it, like his his style of offense would actually fit really well in the NBA. Um, but he doesn't care nearly enough about defense. Um, the only thing I have left to say is. Um, just, just from a personal perspective, like I have an enormous amount of respect for Stan Van Gundy, the human being. Um, I put this out on Twitter earlier today. I think whenever people use their positions of power and wealth and privilege to speak up for those people who lack power and who do not have wealth and who do not have privilege that deserves to be celebrated. And I realize that could be a controversial opinion because it's inherently political to say what I'm saying, but I, um, I think Stan Van Gundy deserves a huge amount of credit uh, for speaking up when he literally has nothing to gain by doing so and everything to lose by doing so. So, um, you know that that more than the basketball is, that is what I am going to remember about Stan Van Gundy, and, and I have a huge amount of respect for him and, and the way he handled himself in that capacity. Co-signed with everything you said. I think I think Stan Van Gundy is very similar
2: to Jim Caldwell in that they both took bad situations into okay situations but the both teams at that point needed you know the next step both are really nice guys Stan Van Gundy has done a lot for the community he's a really good guy I I don't hate him in any way hate him as a coach not as as a person
0: that's a very interesting comparison sham because like when the I had a very like similar crisis of confidence like when the uh, Jim Caldwell's firings were like swirling the rumors about that I was like, man, like this guy. This guy did everything I think you would ask an NFL head coach to do, except like have playoff success. He did literally everything else, and uh, and, and was like, is that enough to get fired? And and it was. And the, that has also been the case for Stan Van Gundy. Um, I think the Lions did a, a relatively good job with his replacement, and uh, the replacement in Detroit for the Pistons uh, remains to be seen, but I hope I definitely hope the Pistons can get their version of, uh, of Matt Patricia. And uh, that's, that's our crossover episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Sham, do you have any, uh, any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh,
2: This next coach and next front office uh, just needs to find a way to, in my opinion, use the pieces that are there and, and figure out how to be successful with them. And I think the one guy, and I, I had tweeted this earlier, uh, the one guy that I think this new coach really needs to focus on figuring out a role for and figuring out how he fits within the Piston system, or I guess the new coach's system, is Stanley Johnson. Because I, I think we've all seen that he's had a, a lot of potential, but I think we all can agree that he really hasn't been used in the correct way under Stan Gundy. So I'm curious to see what this coach does with him. In terms of development because he's a good player
0: i hope they trade him oh well we can talk about that uh in the future though uh either we can leave some more i feel like i just won you over to what i've been saying for yeah. the past two years last uh, and i, yeah. I feel spend good a lot of time that. together ben it happens
1: <laughs> all right uh <laughs> no but sham i actually i 100 agree i I like I like the way you put that. I, I think that was very well said. But just don't want to trade him.
0: No, nah, nah, nah. I'm torn. I would I, I acknowledge that he would be. He's the he's he's the guy that makes the most sense to trade, um, and like on both sides, like for the Pistons and for any other team, like trying to receive uh, pieces from the Pistons. And uh, that duality like, makes it a risk to do so. But one I'm, I'm starting to think is a worthwhile one for both sides. Uh, all right, so that's pretty much it. Uh, we, we did a pretty good job uh, with everything. We hit all the names, I think, that people were looking for. Um, he's Shamik mohile You can find him on Twitter at ShamShamGod. Uh, he's ben Gulker. You can find him on Twitter at BRGulker. Uh, i'm last jackson you can find me on twitter at last chance uh, ben and i are at detroit bad boys and you can find sham on twitter and
2: <laughs> i'm a free agent free, free agent.
0: agent man and uh we will talk to you guys in the future